Here's a message from Ken Lavica. Right before the show started yesterday, we got word that Richard Sherman was arrested and booked in Seattle, Washington. After hearing the 911 call, I have a lot of questions, an awful lot of questions, and they may not be questions that you expect. Coquel, hit the open. On your mark. Get set. You are listening to Ken LaVica Live. Presented by FAU MBA and Sport Management Program. Turn it up! Turn it up! From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, it's Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 1063. I truly don't know what to make of a clearly disturbing situation involving Richard Sherman, and I really don't know what to make about how things were initially handled by authorities. Ken Levick alive featuring Coquel Thursday here on ESPN 106.3. It's a gorgeous Thursday in the Anna Jared and Levine Accident Attorney Studios. Phillips Point Towers, downtown West Palm Beach, right off of the humid Intracoastal. That man is Coquel. I am the other guy, Ken Lavica. We have you until 1 o'clock here on ESPN 106.3. Uh, late in today's show, we're going to be giving you a $50-0 gift card. Fitty? Not just giving you. Fitty? Not, fitty, yes. Not just giving you. We're going to make you work for it. Giving you a chance to win a $50 gift card to Stormhouse Brewing in North Palm Beach, the craft brewery that is the sensation of Palm Beach County. Uh, let's go ahead and jump right into it. Richard Sherman, we even took a call on this yesterday. Uh, Richard Sherman was arrested in King County, Washington, uh, early yesterday morning. And so we were wondering at the time what had actually taken place. When we took to air yesterday, Coquel, we just knew that he had been arrested. We actually did not know any of the circumstances he was arrested on a charge of domestic violence burglary and we were wondering what does that mean once we actually heard that term and saw that term during the show and you hypothesized that hey it can go from something that is unbelievably serious to something that maybe seems a little bit not as serious uh, but certainly could be considered a felony Uh, what actually took place it appears falls into a realm of concerning but more so maybe for Richard Sherman than anybody around him. Uh, The details are like this. Uh, He apparently, and again, we are just taking what we've heard from news reports. We have not seen a police report on this yet, but he was extremely drunk. Uh, He had showed up to his in-laws' home and was threatening to commit suicide. He was threatening to hang himself his wife uh called 911 to report this uh richard sherman apparently got into a physical altercation the extent of which we're not quite sure a physical altercation uh with her uncle uh and police came uh he ended up being aggressive with police once they said they were going to arrest him and he appeared to resist arrest and that those are the major bullet points of what took place yesterday richard sherman of course the pro bowl san francisco 49ers corner the 911 call 
was released by KIRO in Seattle last night. And Coquel was the first person of the two of us to hear it. And you texted me last night, Coquel. Boy, uh, this is this is disturbing to listen to. Uh, and then I finally heard it, and I agree. Um, do we have it queued up, Coquel? Because we're going to go ahead, and I debated about whether or not we should do this, but I think it's important. Um, let, let's play what KIRO uh, released. And again, this is King County in Washington State. This is the 911 call from Richard Sherman's wife to report uh, the Richard Sherman incident. Let's hear this. 911, what are you reporting? Oh, I, I, I need I need officers to my house now. My husband is drunk and blizzard. What's the stop? Stop. Um, What's the address? Are there any weapons? Stop. We, are there we any, took, we took, to no, me. there's no I'm, I'm saying there are no weapons, ma'am. There are no, let, there are no weapons. You need to stop interrupting me. So uh, I let's stop it right there real quick. I mean, right away, I'm not quite sure why the 911 operator appears to be almost like sort of verbally sparring with Richard Sherman's wife. That's weird. I, I, I that that seems a, a little bit off. Let's keep let, let's keep listening to this. And can I just be clear yeah. before we do it? Like we're not. There's a lot of attack on police forces go on and, mm-hmm. and, a, and, and a rifle. So I think accountability that's demanded often. That's not what we're trying to do here. A lot. We're, I'm at least for myself trying to understand why the person spoke to her like that. Yeah. Like, what is the why? Because I understand being cold and not being emotional, but it's almost the opposite where it's emotional and angry. Well, let's let's listen to the rest of this, because I think that this is a, an educational experience for myself, and I think for Coquel as well. Let's just listen to the the, the rest of this 911 call from Richard Sherman's wife. Are there any, we took, we took, no, there's no I'm, I'm saying there are no weapons, ma'am. There are you no, let, no, let, no finish, weapons. You need to stop interrupting me so I can get the information I need to get officers expedited. I need officers here now. What's he doing that that you think he's going to harm he's, himself? He's being he's he's being aggressive. He has sent text messages. I took the I took the keys out there in your car. He's trying to leave now in the house. He's being aggressive. He's wrestling with my uncle. He's threatening to kill himself. He has sent text messages to people saying he's going to hang himself. He and he's saying that if the police show up, that so please don't shoot is what I'm asking. Okay, wait. Say that again. He has the no weapons. He says if the police show up, what? He said if the police show up, that he'll try to fight them. So they okay. need to understand that he is. He is. Okay. Just stop it right there, okay. real quick. That is striking. That Richard Sherman has the wherewithal apparently to. He's saying if the police show up, I will try to fight them, but also understand that he's not armed, so the police don't shoot him. I think. You're misinterpreting that. I think Richard Sherman's telling his wife, you call the cops, I'm going to fight the cops. So she's trying to make sure that they know he's unarmed. As you know, my family is a a mixed family, and I've been in a situation where we had to call the police, and my wife, that was one of the things she kept saying to me, make sure they know that he's not unarmed, make sure they know that Mm -hmm. the person's unarmed. And I was like, what's the difference? And then I've learned over the last few years what the difference really is. Gotcha. So I think that's more her concern coming out of, I need help, but I'm scared of the help as well. Which, okay. is a, which is a huge problem for a, a lot of America. No, that's good perspective. I I definitely was misinterpreting how that may have come up. All right, let's hear let's hear more. Okay, the physical with anybody there? You said he's trying to fight yes, your uncle. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. How has it been physical? He just tried to fight him. 
trying to fight somebody and actually being yes, physical two different things. How has it time. been physical? <laughs> it's, a, it's a 2016 black Mercedes. Richard, please stop. Richard, please stop. Please stop. Is that a sedan SUV? It's, a, it's just a black sedan Mercedes SUV. Okay. He's not going to be able to get out the gate. I cut it off. What do you mean you cut it off? I cut the gate. We live behind it. It's, it's Richard Sherman. Like, ma'am, this is like a f emergency. I need officers hey, here listen now. To me. I'm handling this. You need to stop telling me that. Okay, but what I'm not going to slow help down. Talking to me is not going to slow help down. Okay, well, what I need to know is that he What's your name? My name is Ashley Sherman. Do you know what his date of birth is? 33088. Okay, slow down so I can understand you. What's the date of birth? March 30th, 1988. So, there's a lot to unpack from that, but my, my biggest takeaway is... Uh, I am mind blown at how confrontational the the 911 operator appears to be. And here's my question, and I'm really, for, for those who have, unfortunately, and this is me like, being really lucky, and thank God, I've never had to call 911 for any other situation other than witnessing a car accident or being a part of a car accident. That is God's honest truth. And again, that's lucky on my part. That's lucky. That's not a badge of honor. That's just lucky. But for those who have had to make very serious 911 calls, for those that are dispatchers or 911 operators, which I know is a high-pressure job, I completely understand, or law enforcement, was the 911 operator in that call last night out of line, or was she appropriate given the urgency and uh, the severity of the matter. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Or you can tweet at us at ESPN West Palm. The operator in the Richard Sherman 911 call, uh, the way that she handled Richard Sherman's wife, was that appropriate or was it out of line? Because to me, it seemed confrontational at times, and needlessly so. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And, Coquel, I honestly don't know the protocol for that. And I understand trying to get all of the information possible, trying to inform the officers of uh, as much as you can. But honestly, what does Richard Sherman's birthday matter? Well, I don't understand what his birthday actually matters in that situation when you have someone threatening to kill himself who's obviously drunk. I guess just as a way to identify him. I I suppose, but again, like I don't I don't see why that has to be something in the moment that's needed. Wouldn't law enforcement be able to get the birthday from uh, and Richard Sherman's wife is Ashley Ashley Moss, as the Seattle Times put it. She identified herself as Ashley Sherman. But wouldn't that be something you could just get after the fact? And it, it seems, especially at the beginning of the call, uh, Richard Sherman's wife is being interrupted while apparently what would appear to be her trying to give information. It just seemed like the 911 operator was hindering some of the progress that could have been made obtaining information. The 911 operator with the Richard Sherman 911 call, 
Was she out of line or appropriate given the urgency of the matter? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Or tweeted us at ESPN West Palm. I'm genuinely asking because for me, that seemed counterproductive to me. There were parts of that that seemed wildly counterproductive in what appeared to be a life or death moment, or at least that's what Richard Sherman's wife thought it was going to be. Was he going to kill himself or not? Not other people, but himself. Again, I don't mind the coldness of it. It's that confrontation. There's like an edge to yeah, it. Yeah, there's almost like a causing them to talk back and forth over each other rather than just listening and then yeah. saying, okay, this is the information I need. I was hoping that, that this man would call. Let's go to uh, <laughs> Damon in Delray. Damon, my man, you're on Ken Levick Alive. Thank you uh, for, for weighing in on this. What? How, yeah. how how did this, what were your, as someone who I know, you were in law enforcement, that 911 operator, did she help or hinder that situation? Uh, a, a little bit of both. What, what she failed to tell her, especially toward the end, was to calm her down and say, listen, no, 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 they're on their way, okay? Mm-hmm. You know, relax. Just, you know, that's what they're trained to do. At, in the beginning when she interrupted her and she goes, what's the ad, what's this? That, I didn't have a problem with that. But then after a while, you are trained to, like, try and calm the person down. They are. And um, and then she should have told them, no, it's not. You know, they're on their way. Don't worry. You know, just, you know, what's he doing now? You know, um, you know what's happening right now? You know, you get a little bit more information. But she should have assured the lady because the lady's concern was, just please get them out here. Yeah. She should have said, they're on their way, which they were. Yeah. But she just didn't communicate that. And, yeah, that, that was that, that's a mistake, you know. You're supposed to, if she has to interrupt to get vital information, that's fine. But after that, she's supposed to, you know, keep the person on the line as calm as she can, but assure them, don't worry, they're on their way, you know. Because, Damon, so I didn't think that Richard Sherman's wife was um, was hysterical in any no, way. Like, no. I thought she was pretty lucid she, and clear with what she was trying to convey. She didn't do nothing wrong. It was, it's the, that, that woman is trained to do that. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're trained. To deal with people that are, you know, hysterical. Sure. So, and Damon, yeah, I she, appreciate the that, insight. That's that is exactly what I was looking for with that. Uh, the nine one one operator was she out of line or was that appropriate? And uh, again, like I'm, I'm trying to learn here, Coquel. Like, and like you said earlier, like we're not trying to bag on anybody. Certainly not law enforcement, because I think these days uh, it could be construed as up. Oh, Ripping on the police, but no, like the nine one one operator. Like we're not talking about the officers that responded. In fact, one of the officers apparently, if you read the Seattle Times story, uh, connected with Richard Sherman by saying, "Hey, I used to valet your car back in the day, and that's what got Richard Sherman to calm down and ease the situation." But then once he found out he was going to be arrested, that's when he started to become physical with the officers, and that's when he resisted arrest. Again, according to reports. But I also wonder, and, and this is just me speculating, and I want to be clear, this is just me speculating, if part of the arrest, yes, there's that charge there, but part of that arrest comes from a Baker Act situation. There could be that. There's also the drinking and driving that appears to be happening. Yeah, there. yes, there is There is also a report that Richard Sherman may have been driving in a, a closed lane of the highway that was under construction, may have struck a barrier as well. Uh, so there more, may be more charges tacked on as they find out more. But in the moment, like I feel like that is absolutely a baker act situation and if they couldn't actually execute a baker act having him denying him the bail until he met with the judge gives time for these evaluations Mm -hmm. and these things to take place i 
would be my thoughts. Uh, and and Richard Sherman's wife, uh, before we get back to the calls here, Richard Sherman's wife did talk to the Seattle Times and said, quote, at this time we're going to make no statements except he didn't harm anybody. My kids were not harmed in the incident. He's a good person. This is not his character. We're doing all right, just trying to get him out. I want people to know no one was injured. Uh, I, I did get the sense at times yesterday that there were some that were celebrating the fact that the outspoken, intelligent black man Richard Sherman was arrested. He's going to get his. Like, it certainly felt like that was in some of the worst corners of social media, the case yesterday. But it seems like, and the drinking and driving, he was a danger. If that is indeed what happened, he was a danger. But it certainly seemed like Richard Sherman was more a danger to himself based on that 911 call than he was to anybody else. And it certainly seems like Richard Sherman needs an awful lot of help. The 911 operator in the Richard Sherman call, was she out of line or was it appropriate based on the urgency of that call? 888-760-3776, 888-760-3776, and as always on Twitter, at ESPN West Palm. I hope I'm getting this right. I apologize if it's butchered. Joni Lynn in Port St. Lucie? Yes. Hi. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for 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 calling uh, the the nine one one operator. Uh, was was that appropriate or was that a, a little bit out of line? It's the nine one one operator that she failed to handle that situation. All she needs to do first is get the name and the location and yep. dispatch it, the police immediately. That's it. Without any talking different to the to the wife, she needs to understand the the wife's feeling. Yeah. She was a really a little bit uh, nervous, so she know better. So Joni Lynn, so That's so there there needs to be. Uh, and again, I don't know uh, anything about nine one one operator training, and I know it's high stress and it's a thankless job. I completely get that. But it, within that training, if you it, uh, and I don't know uh, what your your relationship is to nine one one operators, if you are one or have been one or no one, but it feels like there needs to be a little bit of compassion there. No. Yes, and definitely she needs a refresher's course. Yeah, yeah. Because the urgency of the call, uh, we can save life, everything. She needs first the, the location and the name before yeah. the date of birth. Yeah, the date of birth seemed because completely needless to me at that point. Like, that's something you could probably get after the fact, and appreciate it, Joni Lynn. And again, this is just me as someone who, if I ever need to call 911 for something more than just a traffic, like a minor traffic accident, like for me, it would be reassuring if I am, <laughs> this is going to sound so wussy of me, but if I'm handled with care <laughs> as opposed to as opposed to what could uh, be construed as tense, construed as confrontational, construed as interruptive, like I couldn't operate in a pressure situation like that. Like I couldn't be giving the correct information and be clear and concise if I'm being interrupted consistently because I feel like that's where the person calling that's where frustration could take over and that doesn't help anybody. Also there's clearly a domestic situation going on. There's clearly someone who's not mentally right and there was thre- there was she even mentioned violence. Why are you upsetting the person on the phone especially when the person could be 
in the room. Richard right. Sherman, you hear, I think it's him in the background. I, I, I think it appears to be. So if she starts getting upset, he may now get upset. Now yeah. you're making that whole room that much more combustible in a situation where someone's already said they're threatening to kill themselves. The part where where he's confrontational with um, with her uncle when he's at the in-laws, he's trying to break into her in-laws' house, it almost felt like, based on that call, the uncle was trying to keep Richard Sherman from leaving the house and that's where the confrontation was coming in that is what it sounds like and again the burglary could be just taking the car without permission like that we yeah, don't we be. don't know what it is or right. what he had there and the domestic violence is just someone in your family mm-hmm. you had an issue with again, and, it, and not, it could be million times worse just saying but yeah. that's what it could be we're just going by what we have heard in that 911 call and read the reports of of what took place uh ken is in west palm ken you're on ken levick alive what's up bud I was just explaining why she actually date of birth. There's, okay. So she can so she can uh, trim down the name and get a see if he had a history. If there's any violence oh, or, or if this it. is an ongoing thing, so they can relay that to the officers got responding, it. so they know how to respond appropriately and that keep is, and keep them safe, okay? right? In yeah. case there was an issue. Yeah. You get, that is Perfect, excellent, though. and it makes appreciate a ton of that. sense. Ken, really appreciate that. All right. Enjoy. Be yep. good. Uh, that that's yeah that that makes an awful lot of sense. Like again, and this is me, uh, and we we I'd like to think we do this a decent amount. If we don't know, like we're gonna say we don't know. Like at first, I feel like that's confrontational, and I question why the operator is doing what she's doing. And I still think there were parts that were needlessly confrontational, not diffusing a situation, but especially asking about the date of birth. That's fair. Like that's no, that makes completely sense fair. That's a background check. That that and that is something that absolutely should happen because the safety of the officers also becomes a priority in that spot completely. And all in all, it does seem like the officers did well and did their job and prevented this from becoming tragic. And instead, it's something where Richard Sherman's going to live to see another day. His family comes out unscathed physically. And fortunately, if he was indeed driving drunk, everybody on the road was able to come out of this unscathed. Uh, but it, 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 I just, I always wonder about protocols and how things are handled. And it didn't seem like this was 100% what they would want if they were to listen back and critique the 911 operator. And that's the thing. And I, I'm glad you keep saying that we're trying to learn. And because I don't know, I, you don't know, we don't know. And police force is an industry that is under attack, and again, sometimes rightfully so, sometimes not. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you want to ask and you want to learn, but it's also a sensitive issue for for those reasons. Yep. I told you before the show. I texted my buddy who's an officer, and he's like, "Why do you always text me only when it's this stuff?" And it's like, "Well, I just want to learn. I'm not accusing. I'm well, not saying right or wrong. I, yeah. I'm just trying to learn." So I can make a fair judgment of what's right or wrong or, or, or think of a way things could be handled better. Well, my suggestion to you is you should text him and just see how his family's doing occasionally. No, he's a big dope muscle head. He doesn't need all that. <laughs> uh, Ken Levick Alive is presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program, fau.edu slash MBA Sport. And it'll be uh, Coach Pete, Joni McCalley, former Duke 
women's college basketball coach, former Michigan State women's basketball coach, a ton of success, a ton of league titles, went to the national championship game in 2005 with Michigan State. She's going to be speaking to the FAU MBA Sport Management Program classes on July 22nd, 7 p.m. It's open to the public. Find out more, fau.edu slash MBA Sport, fau.edu slash MBA Sport. And tomorrow here on Ken Levick Alive, uh, Coach McCallie is going to join the show. So she has some great perspective on working alongside Coach K, working alongside Tom Izzo, and she spent a vast majority of her 30 years in coaching battling bipolar disorder, which I hate to say it, is probably um, a, a very legitimate um, conversation to have coming off of what appears to be happening just from a mental health standpoint with Richard Sherman from what we've heard from that 911 call. It's also just an interesting conversation because sometimes we have people in these positions of power that are responsible for keeping everybody else in mm-hmm. the right spot. Might be myself, even as a mm-hmm. much smaller level than a do coach, I'm a, as a high school coach while battling my own mental health issues at the same time, I, but you have to be there for everybody else. It's an, it's an interesting dichotomy. I'm, I'm excited for her to come on. So again, July 22nd, 7 p.m., uh, Coach McCallie, jo- uh, Joanne McCallie, speaks to the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Uh, that's fau.edu slash MBA Sport. Get yourself pre-registered to be there. fau.edu slash MBA Sport. And tomorrow on Ken Levick Alive, Joanne McCallie, Coach P., as uh, those in the college basketball world know her, she'll be here on Ken Levick Alive. Before we go to break, um, if you do find yourself uh, when you hear the news about Richard Sherman being arrested, someone who is very outspoken about equality, someone who is very outspoken uh, about Black Lives Matter, someone who is very outspoken about a lot of things, uh, someone who is Stanford educated, someone uh, who tends to not stay in his lane, if you will, speaks outside of football an awful lot. If you find yourself um, feeling in any way good about what's happening to Richard Sherman, you need to reevaluate your um, your life. Not just your priorities, but your life. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. You can tweet at us at ESPN West Palm. When we return, the NBA Finals is now a best of three. Which team has the edge? He's Coquel. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. You are listening to Ken Levick live on ESPN 106.3. And just like that, the NBA Finals is even, and it's turned into a best of three. And I don't quite know which team has the edge, which team is actually better. It is that evenly matched. He's Coquel. I'm Ken Levicka. Ken Levicka live featuring Coquel. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. That is the Ken Levicka Live featuring Coquel podcast. Subscribe to it. Love it. Bring it to your home. Adopt it as one of your children. It doesn't eat much. That's the Ken Levicka Live featuring Coquel podcast. Again, Apple Podcasts and wherever you get your podcast. Well, here we are. Uh, you have the Bucks winning 109-103 last night. Chris Middleton going on a 10-0 run by himself. Uh, that was a Chris Middleton game. When Chris Middleton has games, the Bucks win, and that was true last night. It looked like the Suns were going to win for a vast majority of that game. Devin Booker goes for 42-38 after three quarters, and then uh, the bottom fell out for the Suns. Uh, the Bucks clamped down defensively. Chris Middleton was able to heat up. And the Bucks and the Suns are even at 2-2. That leads me to this question. Which 
team is going to win the series. It's a best of three now. Goes back to Phoenix on Saturday. Come back to Milwaukee. Maybe it'll go back to Phoenix. From what you've seen, these two teams going at one another, Giannis is just a miracle. I don't understand how this guy came back from nearly exploding his knee and is doing what he's doing now. You have the Suns, who, when they're able to play fast, they're unstoppable, but the Bucks appear to have figured that out to an extent. Which team is better? Which team is going to win the best of three? Which team is going to win the NBA Finals? The Bucks or the Suns? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And on Twitter, at ESPN West Palm. I mean, Coquel, I think we have seen a sample size, enough of a sample size of these two teams. And for me... I am starting to, and I love Book, and I love the Suns, and I love the way they play, but CP3 has been hot garbage for pretty much this entire series. He has not been able to get it going. If you're going to waste a Devin Booker performance like that, DeAndre Ayton has uh, had trouble, at least in Milwaukee, matching up with both Giannis and with Lopez. I, I think the Bucks have sort of found a way to grind the Suns down. And if that continues, I think the Suns are in trouble. I think the way that the Bucks are playing, the way that Giannis is performing, this is, we're seeing for Giannis Antetokounmpo, a guy who has won the MVP, we're seeing the best moments of his career over the last three games. Like This is the apex for him. He has been truly unbelievable. I think the Bucks are going to end up winning this series. Chris Paul needs to play better. I mean, that's a given. The last couple of games, he's been awful. But when Chris Paul is on, the Suns are a very hard team to beat. Both teams are streaky. Giannis, you don't know what you're going to I know he's 40-40, then 26. Mm-hmm. But we've seen him at times where his 26 isn't an effective 26. Last night was not one of those times. I think he's actually being wildly overshadowed by Middleton. I think Giannis played a great game. His defense night. is really... We can talk about all his point totals. Giannis's defense has been elite. I mean, it has been flat-out, downright elite. To a point, and I don't know if I'm getting caught up in the knee injury and how he just sort of brushed it off and is able to play at this level, but his block last night um, on the alley-oop from Booker to Ayton, that was the injured leg that he pivoted on and was able to go up and make that swat. And what Giannis is doing, I know that when Chris Middleton, I said Chris Middleton, when he has his games, the Bucks are going to win. That's indisputable. That also depends on Giannis staying consistent. And Giannis is playing the most consistent. These last three games, both ends of the floor, have been the most consistent we've seen from Giannis in his entire career, especially in pressure moments. Offensively, Giannis just needs to be good for three and a half quarters. Yeah. And then let let Middleton do the rest. And by good, just be a presence in the block. Just be you. Attack the rim. His ability as a passer is so much better now. He'll distribute. He finds the open man, and he dominates when he has to. He has turned into everything I wish Bam Adebayo could mirror. Like He is, to me, the first big man since Shaq to really value the fact that he can go in and camp out under the basket and go up and score whenever he wants to. But the problem is there are games where all of a sudden he tries to be Kevin Durant. I can't and stand that's that. when they lose. I don't get that. I, I don't get And Evan Cohen says it all the time. You'll hear him commercial free 5 o'clock here on ESPN 106.3 with Jeanette Javier. Evan says it all the time, and he's right. Why would Giannis ever practice a three-pointer again? Why would Giannis ever practice taking a jumper 
from outside 15 feet. And it flies in the face of everything that we've come to know about the modern-day NBA, right? It, it, it flies in the face of uh, this thought that you need stretch fours and you need big men who can stretch the defense. You need to establish at the perimeter. But Giannis is the exception because what Giannis is doing, he has found the niche and he has found the ability to, no matter who the big man is, no matter who the defender is, he can go up and brutalize them. If you can do that in the NBA, even with the current state of the athleticism in the NBA, why would you do anything else? And coming off of that injury and being able to be as physical as he's been and impose his will the way he's been, this is why I think the Bucs are going to win the series. I don't know if the Suns can actually neutralize this. I think the Bucs are good enough to steal a game on the road. And if they do it Saturday, I think that the series ends in six. I think the Bucs have found... They have finally found their complete flow, maybe for the first time in the postseason, because they're doing this against a perfect strength Suns team. This is the first time that the Bucs have faced a full-strength team, and this is what they were able to do the last two games. Chris Paul comes out, though, and has a Chris Paul special night. The Suns can win. That's why this series is so exciting, because you just don't know what's going to happen. And I get it. Every single night, you turn on the lights, you don't know what's going to happen. But this series feels like that, like even more so. But I agree with you. If the Bucks take game five in Phoenix, it's a wrap. That's it. That's it. The Suns aren't coming to Milwaukee and, and, and winning that to extend it to a game seven. It's a best of three now. Bucks and Suns. Milwaukee wins both at home, and they're headed back to the desert. Which team has the edge? Which team is going to win the best of three and win the trophy? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And tweeted us at ESPN West Palm. We do need to talk about the officiating. The last five minutes last night was unbearable to watch. And not because of the nonstop incessant replay like you and I have been complaining about all postseason, but it was just bad. Miss calls. So inconsistent. Tight, so tight on inconsistent. one end and very loose on the other. I was, I, I, and I'm looking, and I follow a lot of um, of Bucks fans because within our country, our, our, our country. Well, they are in our country. The That's true. The United States of Good Karma Brands, our company, Good Karma Brands, under our umbrella is ESPN Milwaukee and ESPN Madison. Did you see so, the bosses front row? I, I did see that. The bosses were front row. And by the way, bosses, you looked great. The front row suits you, oh, Pfizer man. Forum. Like, I mean... I was looking for celebrities, and I was like, there they are. There they are. That is, I don't know why people talk about the garden in Celebrity Row. Yeah. That is Celebrity Row right there. By the way, we'll talk raises in like a month and a half. Um, but when Extra it, hours. <laughs> when, it, when it comes to uh, the officiating, this has been... It, last night was unwatchable. Like, that was terrible. I mean, first of all, before you go to that, that color blue on Steve Palatziner, absolutely slimming. Uh, I just, mean, like, just gorgeous. Just impeccable. Steve, you look great. Um but what do you even do about that, though? The officiating. What can you do? And so I'm seeing all my teammates at ESPN Milwaukee, ESPN Madison complaining about the officiating, as they should. Devin Booker should have been called for like nine fouls last night. Um, He's too pretty for that. <laughs> he deserves that. You know, get him off the court. Someone that good looking should not be taken off the court. But what can you even do? Is it even worth the energy? to complain about the officiating when you know that it's going to be inconsistent? Because that's the nature of the NBA. Like when if, When's the last time you've watched an NBA game and you've said to yourself, ah, that was well officiated? And part of the reason is I think that the NBA game is impossible to officiate. It's so fast, and it's so strong, and it is at such a high level, there's no way that human senses 
can possibly follow everything that's happening. Replay made it so hard to officiate because they know that there are things that they're going to miss because you're going to miss things. And they know that there are touch fouls that will look worse in the slow motion instant replay that really don't aren't really a foul in person. Yeah. So like they have to play those games. You saw at the end of the game when Chris Paul and maybe Cam Johnson, they tried to trap at the end and the ref blew the whistle for a foul and they didn't even foul him intentionally. Yeah. He just assumed, figured he was missing it because the angle, like it's a really tough one. I'm telling you, basketball inherently, I think, is the toughest sport to officiate. And when you get to the NBA level, I, I feel like the speed of the NBA game Um, The athleticism of the NBA game, it has made it impossible to ever have consistent officiating because everything's happening at a million miles an hour. Uh, And and basketball as a whole, calling a foul, that's the most subjective call in all of officiating any sport. Like, there's nothing more subjective than that. Uh, I don't know how to fix it, and we can keep complaining about it on social media all we want. Nothing's going to change. The NBA officiating is not going to get better this is just how it is. You have massive six eight six nine guys who are flying around. How are you actually going to competently officiate that? By the way, here's this question. Is basketball the single hardest sport to officiate? Is it the single hardest sport to referee? Whether it's baseball, whether it's hockey, whether it's football. Football's tough, but you still have downtime between plays to gather yourself. Is basketball the hardest sport to officiate? 888-760-3776, 888-760-3776. Difference between football and basketball, again, though, is holding isn't something well, you can review. Well, holding's the one you're but, always going to go back to. But there's something that's it's not reviewable. Now, imagine if it was reviewable and the refs had the pressure of making sure they saw every single hold. Yeah. Like, what can you do? The game it's, would last seven hours. It's the mistake they made by trying to make um, pass interference reviewable. Like, that was a huge mistake for that reason because it's, it's impossible to call that yeah. fair. Pass interference is the most frustrating penalty in football, like, period. Yeah, I don't care what level. If you just do it, like, and I hate to say it this way, but if they just used their football IQ and just called it judgment more so than the actual technical foul of a pass interference, yeah. it's a lot easier to call. The problem is, again, with replay and knowing that everyone's going to see every little touch, sometimes they make the call when really didn't impact the play. I just don't know. How do you fix it? How do you fix the NBA officiating? We know the last five minutes last night sucked. That was bad. That was unacceptable. But also, how do you fix it? And is basketball inherently the toughest sport to officiate? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. When we return, last night's defining play, the one that everybody's talking about today, one of the people in this room uh. is not impressed by it. And I think you know who. He's Coquel. I'm Ken Levicka, and I'm live on ESPN 106.3. Spend your lunch with Ken by calling 888-760-3776. It's Ken Levicka Live. Here's Ken Levicka and Chris Coquel. That is us. The deep voice guy is correct. Ken Levicka, that's me. He's Coquel. Ken Levicka Live featuring Coquel. We'll be back. Tomorrow noon, as always, here on ESPN 106.3. Joanne McCallie, former Michigan State and Duke head women's basketball coach, talking about her battle with bipolar disorder and what it's like to coach alongside Coach K and Tom Izzo. She'll be speaking with the FAU MBA Sport Management Program July 22nd. Should I um, should I give who we think is also going to be a guest tomorrow, or are we going to wait and see? How about we do this? 
Scheduled to appear tomorrow. Scheduled to appear tomorrow. Dolphins quarterback Jacoby Brissett. The Dwyer alum, the former starter, the former Patriot, former Colt starter, Jacoby Brissett, scheduled to appear tomorrow. Now, we have people working on it to make sure it happens, Did I just jinx it? Yeah, I think you did. But I also have his cell phone number. Do I shoot the text to make sure he appears? (laughs) Ooh. Hey, throw your weight around. Like, go around the people who are actually setting this all up. Let's just make this happen this time. Let's wait until the time comes and then see if you use your influence on that. I don't want to ruffle too many feathers, but let's just leave it like this. Schedule to appear. Dolphins quarterback, Jacoby Brissett. There will be a Dolphin on the show either way. Yes. Could be Flipper. Could be anyone. But we will talk to We will find a Dolphin if Jacoby doesn't show. We will find a Dolphin. Uh, to uh, to talk to tomorrow and maybe the animal version of said dolphin. Uh, I'm Ken Levicka. He's Co-Cal. So before the show, I have to uh, sort of uh, throw open the fourth wall here. Coquel walks in and he goes, that Giannis block. Eh. I'm going to let you have the floor. Giannis, by the way, in case you missed it and have no idea what I'm talking about, late, late, late last night, he did what appeared to be the impossible with the um, with the, the Bucks hanging on to a two-point lead. Devin Booker comes down the right side of the lane, throws a near-perfect alley-oop to DeAndre Ayton, and Giannis, on one leg, pivots after defending Booker, jumps to the rim, and blocks Ayton's dunk attempt on the alley-oop. Booker with Tucker on him, throws it up for I mean, it's awesome. And by the way, credit to Mike Breen, uh, ABC last night, going with Antenna Kumpo in the heat of the moment, just rolling it off perfectly, uh, and not Giannis. Well done by Mike Breen, and that is why he's a Hall of Famer. But what is your issue with the Giannis block? I don't have an issue with the block, Ken. Stop painting me in the bad guy corner. <laughs> As you always do, as my microphone uh-huh. falls off its stand. That's what awesome. Are you, what is happening? And the You're microphone just fell down and attacked me. <laughs> I had to block that from hitting me in the nose. It's probably the universe talking to you. <laughs> the block was a good block. Just a regular good block. He said this his, wasn't just a regular good block. The, the ball handler drove in. He set his feet. He threw a low-lying lob that took forever to get there. Giannis turned and jumped to where the ball was going to be. You, you, you framing that as just a regular block is so insincere. What would you do? No, I mean, that, what would you do in that? It was a good block. It was a good, solid defensive play. But what is the defender supposed to do in that spot? You have two choices, right? Uh-huh. If someone drives in and throws a pass, you're either going to adjust your feet, turn and try to play the man, or if he throws it like that, you're going to jump for the ball. And he did the right thing. He jumped to where the – he knows where the ball's got to end up, right? Yeah. I don't care where he throws it to eight and where does the ball got to go? So – it's got to go in the rim. There, so he jumped to the, he turned and jumped towards the rim. He I, played defense. I did see on Twitter last night those saying that is one of the uh, that is the greatest oh, finals block ever. Stop it. So our our good friend George Sedano at ESPN Los Angeles, he was sort of fighting that thought off saying that LeBron's block against the Warriors in that clincher in game 7 back in 2015 uh, that that is unmatched. Let's let's relive that, shall we? Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the left. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James with the rejection. Wow. Thank you, Mike Breen on ABC. Um, but you threw out 
another block that might be better than Giannis is, and this might be Giannis made a defensive play. He shifted his feet and jumped. This is that was it from the bubble last year, Eastern Conference Finals, Heat, Celtics. Here's Bam Adebayo on Jason Tatum. Clock at seven, working against Butler. Got downhill, turn punch it. Bam says, "Get it out of here." Adebayo sky high with the block and rejection. That's why he's NBA All-Defensive Team. And that was game one of that series. So I ask you, the Giannis block last night, is it better than LeBron? Is it better than Bam? As I look at SportsCenter right now, and in the cryon, it asks, greatest block ever with a photo of Giannis Antetokounmpo? Cryon? What is that? That's the, the television name for a lower third graphic. So why don't you just say, in the words on the bottom? <laughs> Did you? I want to block you in the face. Cry on. Was Giannis's block last night the greatest block ever? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Was Giannis Antetokounmpo's block last night the greatest block ever? Because LeBron's happened in a bigger moment. It happened in the waning moments of a championship clincher, of a game seven against the Warriors. I get that. But LeBron's made a career out of track down blocks, and that's what that was on Iguodala. A minute and a half left in the game to save the game, to save the series, to save the championship. Bam Adebayo flat out disrespecting Tatum, who was going for a tomahawk jam in the closing moments of the first game of the Eastern Conference Finals. That's up there. But Giannis last night, the athleticism guarding the man who threw the alley-oop and then blocking the oop part of the entire thing that's incredible incredible athleticism he looked like a safety playing the ball he turned his feet adjusted and jumped to where the ball's gonna go you are the king of the undersell i can't believe this you are the you more than anyone i know love hyperbole and you love putting things on a pedestal and this is what you're gonna try and water down because it wasn't the greatest block ever in the crying on whatever it is <laughs> the cry on like can we get out of here oh man we live in the moment way too much. hey sports center asked the question i'm just asking the question don't blame me sports center asked it i had a better block at eaton's neck youth center than that block. <laughs> Uh, you have never been able to come close to touching rim in your life. Get out of here. I can grab net. Uh, really? Net. Oh, that's even net. impressive. I can't even grab net. net. I can't even do that. Uh, Sports Center asked it. I'm just, I'm just asking their question. Giannis Antetokounmpo last night blocking DeAndre Ayton. Was that the greatest block ever? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Let's stay in West Palm. Steven's there. Steven, you're on Ken LeVick Alive. Hey, Steven. Hey, guys. Great show. Really enjoy listening to you, you every day. Um, answering your first question about the most difficult sport to uh, yeah. referee, yeah. I think uh, both hockey and soccer are pretty challenging as well because running up and down the field or skating backwards uh, is no easy task. Sure. <laughs> and, I, and I think another thing is, that the NBA has changed so much in the past 10, 15 years that no, it's almost every player today travels at one time or other during the game. And the only other point I'd like to raise at the very end of the game, how Giannis took the ball inbounds and never took it out of bounds when he passed it in for that last inbounds play that they ended up calling the ball. Oh, I didn't even catch that. Lot, it wouldn't surprise of, me with as bad as it was last yeah, night. Well, 
Yeah, they, they re-showed it. But you guys are great and really enjoyed listening to you both. Thank you. Appreciate that. That's a good You're point. Great. About- that is a great point that we're great. Yeah. No, well, oh, was well that, that said. the point you were talking about? Uh, that was uh, very eloquently said. Um, he's right about the uh, the skating backwards. Yeah, that's hard. That's really hard. Soccer is tough because no referee is um, no referee is covering more ground than what a soccer referee is doing. Like that is that is difficult, and you're isolated. You're pretty much by yourself in that spot. You're the one singular person uh, that every player is coming to if they have beef, if they have a problem. And uh, as far as, but I want to make the point about football because Brian Cole tweeted, I think the NFL is toughest to officiate because there's so many rules, but the rules also differ based on where you're at on the field. That's true. And I maintain that as much as I love football, there is no sport in the world harder to understand for a foreigner coming in trying to learn the game than American football. Period. Not even close. But those officials are only judging one of those zones at a time. That does help. That does help. But there is, from all the rules, there is not a single sport more confusing to a foreigner trying to learn it. I don't care if it's baseball, cricket, uh, curling. American football is the hardest sport for a foreigner to understand. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Oh, is in West Palm. What's up, O? What's good, fellas? I'm doing great. I hope you guys are doing the same. God bless you for the work that you guys do. I appreciate you. Anytime, man. Anytime. Listen, that that play last night. It's difficult, you know, in the in the world, the sports world that we live in, because we don't give a whole lot of props mm-hmm. to great defensive effort. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say it was definitely great defensive effort. It's probably top ten in playoff history, you know. And I'm sure an argument can be made uh. if it's any higher, like five. In my time. The things that come to mind are the Tayshawn Prince chase down yep. block, yep. which was long before LeBron James, sure. but just as heated of a moment with a team that really nobody expected anything of. You know what I mean? One of the more underrated teams. Yeah. And it's not a block, but defensive plays in the playoffs. Reggie Miller, Reggie Miller with the 13 points in seven oh. seconds or whatever, whatever it was. Yes. I mean, sold the ball consecutive times, then hit threes, you know, like that's, well, why, why don't you just bring up Elijah on blocking John Starks in Game Six while you're at it? <laughs> oh, that's a great you, point. We, we and, can. Oh, we I can. love it. We I can. love it. I, I play basketball, and you know, I've never been Division One or NBA, but I can tell you, I, I've had a similar play where I've blocked somebody trying to get to the hole, and then blocked the person that they dished it to. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like cut them off defensively, and then block. The person that they tried to get the assist from. Oh, great it's point! Not easy. Great point. It's and by the easy. way, extra so, points for you. Uh, extra points for you for crushing Coquel's soul. By the way, uh, with the Reggie Miller point, that makes me feel great about the proceedings. Uh, let's quickly get to Mark in Palm Beach. Hey, Mark. How you guys doing? Good, man. Uh, so uh, talking about the greatest block. Yeah. Uh, I've been driving for like nine hours today, so I've caught pretty much every show on the radio. And Coquel kind of deciding more towards like the way Keyshawn was this morning, and you're kind of um, Ken, you're kind of deciding more towards like Greeny. Okay, and I see both sides, but to me, they brought up they're kind of like two completely different plays. Like Giannis had a fantastic basketball IQ play to yeah. know threw the ball up, turn around, it's going to be at the rim, jump as soon as you can. Whereas LeBron is a hustle and, like, timing play. He had the whole court to sprint, and he had to time that up perfectly or else, you know, they might not have been the champion. Sure. So 
they're totally different plays, but like I'm a Cavs fan, so I have to go with LeBron. <laughs> but I think I definitely think it's not getting enough credit as a fantastic of a block as it is. Uh, Mark, just because there's. And, Mark, what I'll say to you, too, is the next time you're in the car for, like, nine or ten hours, let us know beforehand, and you can take everything you heard on the previous shows here on ESPN 106.3 and just come and do our show and apply all of that to this show, and we'll take the day off, okay? Or call us at 1130 and give us yeah, the information. Yeah, I was going to say, where were you at 1130 where we're trying to workshop <laughs> yeah. this show? Appreciate it, Mark. I got you. All right. Sounds good. we got to set up a meeting. Then. All right. Perfect. <laughs> perfect. Uh, Ken Levick Alive featuring Coquel, uh, 888-760-3776, 888 I mean, you clearly saw what happened there. Elite athletes like me and Keyshawn feel one way, and you and Greeny feel the other. <laughs> yeah, me and talk radio nerds like Mike Greenberg. Yes, it is no surprise that we're falling into those different categories. At least Coquel uh, has the uh, the football background and actually played football at some point in his life. Uh, I'm trying to think here. I'm trying to work out if we're going to be able to do our Stormhouse Brewing giveaway today or if we're going to leave it. Uh, so, why why don't we take the time to at least let me tell you about Stormhouse Brewing, North Palm Beach, uh, a half mile south of PGA Boulevard, US 1 in the Crystal Cove Commons. Stormhouse Brewing is where you can watch the United States play tonight in Gold Cup action, uh, US soccer. Uh, you can head there for the NBA Finals as they resume on Saturday. The Major League Baseball season resumes. Oh, and yeah, they're the only craft brewery in the area with a full menu, a delicious gastropub menu. And the craft beers are elite at Stormhouse Brewing. That's Stormhouse Brewing in North Palm Beach, Crystal Cove Commons, US 1, just a half mile south of PGA Boulevard. You will absolutely adore it. That is my my promise to you. Coquel, we'll find a way. We're going to try and find a way tomorrow, or we'll double it up next week, the $50 Stormhouse Brewing gift card, okay? We'll find a way. Yeah, is that is that does that work for we you? Can do that we can, we'll we'll find maybe we do a social media one. We'll figure something. Okay, out. we'll figure something out because I I, I want to make sure that we get everybody through here. Jerry is in West Palm. Jerry, you're on Ken Levick alive. Hey, Jerry. Ah, <laughs> uh, Jerry, I I think you're breaking up a little bit here. You hear me? I can hear you. Can you? Hear me? There we go. Now we're good. Go ahead. And. Uh... Yeah, where uh, Jerry is uh, in a bad spot. I, I try to tell you every day, one call too many, Ken. Uh-huh. One call too many. Jerry, give us a call back. You got about four seconds. Yeah. Uh, or do we want to give this away? I'll give the question. We can give it away off the air. No, no, let's let's try and do this tomorrow or Monday. We'll figure out the Stormhouse Brewing, okay? We'll figure that out, okay? I just want to make sure that we're good. But everybody make sure they get the Stormhouse this weekend. Yes, absolutely. That's not a question. But the $50 gift card, you got to earn it. You got to wait for it. All right, that'll do it for us. We'll be back tomorrow with maybe Dolphins quarterback Jacoby Brissett. Maybe. I'm going to say Jacoby's, Jacoby's going to come through. You know why? Because I got him ice in high school, and that's what set off his career. <laughs> like like jewelry ice? Oh, yeah. Or just or ice, he, ice He was destroying Forest Hill in basketball, and he hurt his ribs like dunking on someone. I was like, here you go. Oh, I thought you may have uh, exposed a, uh, a violation. A little, little NIL before <laughs> the NIL. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, we've got to get out before Coquel gets in trouble. He's Coquel. I'm Ken Levick. And we've been live on ESPN 106.3. Bye.